to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 <clears throat> Chronicles chapter 28. There's a couple things I want to I want to talk about very quickly before we get into the message. The first one is <clears throat> that <clears throat> uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, those of you that are members of our church and have been here for a long time know that I I struggle periodically with um, uh, dyslexia, and I don't know if it's the me- the medication that I'm on or whatever, but uh, my wife and I have noticed that over the last couple of weeks, um, my dyslexia is is a little off the charts. Off the charts. <laughs> so <clears throat> so uh, if my reading this morning is is uh, choppy or inaccurate, please forgive me. Uh, it's not intentional, and I'm not illiterate. I'm just uh, challenged. God has seen fit to give me the challenge of dyslexia and, and I just deal with it and occasionally it's worse than others and, and right now it's one of those times so please forgive me. The other thing is I'm going to try and stand as long as I can. Um, I have a stool here uh, and if I, if I need to I will, I will have to default to the stool but it, it is um, uh, just something that I'm going to try and do as long as I can so please, if I have to sit down, please bear with me on that as well. I would appreciate that very much. <clears throat> January of 1980, in fact, January 1st of 1980, I reported aboard uh, the USS Frank Cable in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a submarine tender. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I was uh, 19 years old and... Uh, God, God had not yet uh, got a hold of my heart. I did not get saved until June of that year. But uh, along about February or March of that year, January, I remember uh, <clears throat> going to my chief one day and complaining about headaches. I had been, I had had several headaches days in a row, and it was going into weeks, and you know, it just. My it really what it was is my eyes were just hurting, and <clears throat> my chief was a little concerned. So after we had muster, he he sent me off to sick bay, and uh, the doctor. I went in and talked to the doctor, and and he <clears throat> he almost immediately after looking at me and talking with me, he got on the phone, called over to the Navy hospital, and made an appointment with me uh, for me with a uh, uh, an eye doctor. And, you know, I, I would assume at that point I had been to eye doctors previously, but I don't ever remember being at an eye doctor before. So <clears throat> I remember going over to the Navy hospital and uh, sitting in this chair and uh, him doing all his eye doctor stuff, you know. You know and it was a little intimidating to me. And I, but the thing that I remember more than anything was having to look into a, I had to, I had to actually look this up because I didn't know what it was called, uh, a phoropter. Okay, I got a picture of it for you. Okay, this is called a phoropter, at least that's what it looks like. Okay, I, I don't know what it's called, but it, you know, 19 years old. Uh, I was a little intimidated by this thing, uh, and 
<clears throat> here he is. He, he said, here, look in here. And he, and he sticks this thing in front of my eyes. And, and I was a little creeped out by it. But he kept doing things. And he was clicking and flipping and doing these things. And he was asking me questions like, okay, which is clearer, this one or this one? And then he would do the, you know. And it, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, y'all been there. <clears throat> and, and so anyway, all of a sudden everything started to become very clear. And I'm sitting there in this chair looking through this contraption, thinking, wow, I can actually see. And, and, and I, I don't know how you lose your eyesight, <clears throat> but apparently it's very slow, and it takes time to kind of get there. But... <clears throat> I just remember thinking, I, I can actually see again. Everything is clear and crisp. <laughs> well, I was looking at E's and F's and, you know, I wasn't looking at th that kind of stuff. But the strange thing to me was the fact that it, it was just so crisp and, and clear. Again, as I prayed for this, the, the theme this year of focus, almost immediately that event came back to my mind. And that is, I believe, that is the thing that God wants for each of us. To see life through a phoraptor, if that's how you say it, I, that thing. That's how God wants us to see life. Well, let me rephrase that. That's how God wants us to see him. So in 2020, why don't we have 2020 vision? I got a question for you. And don't, don't raise your hand or say anything. It doesn't matter. But I, I just I have a, a random question for you. How many of you would say that you are good multitaskers? Okay, I, I know people that claim that they are absolutely incredible multitaskers. Well, <clears throat> I have some bad news for you. I have done a lot of reading, and studies have proven that people that multitask accomplish a lot of stuff, but they never do one thing well. Think about that. The, 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 the conclusion of the studies that I've read, basically, and you know, this is just my opinion of what I've read, is we are better off to focus on one thing and do it well than try to do many things halfway. Now, I have a test for you. I want you to focus on the flag. I don't want you to look at the wall, but I want you to focus on the flag. And if you, were, if you will focus on the flag, then you will notice that everything else is out of focus. 
even the wall, if you are focused on the flag, even the wall will be out of focus just a little bit because there's a little bit of distance between the flag and the wall. Now, we can look at things in a broad sense and we can see the flag on the wall, can we not? But if we focus on the flag, then that's the only thing that will be clear. Before I went to Bible college, I knew God was doing something in in our lives. And so we had made a decision that we didn't quite know what, uh, well, that's not true either. We knew, I just didn't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, we knew that God wanted me to go to Bible college, but I, I didn't want to go. So <clears throat> anyway, long story, we, we closed down our construction company, and I took a job as a construction superintendent for about a year and a half, running from God. Anybody else ever done anything like that? Okay. I'm not the only idiot. So I worked for this development company as a construction superintendent for about a year and a half. And, 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 and at any given point in my career with this company, I was responsible for anywhere from 10 to probably 13, 14 homes under construction at various stages. And uh, every day, my day was spent answering questions. I was, I was bombarded with questions. I mean, I would be standing talking to a subcontractor in front of a house and another subcontractor working on another house would come up to me and expect an answer just like that. I mean, I I was bombarded by subcontractors. I would break up fights between subcontractors. I don't know if you know this, but painters and electricians do not get along. Okay? Uh, Just all the time. I mean, I, I, homeowners and even my boss would call me uh, uh, on the, on the radio and want, and then, and then, and then you get to deal with inspectors. And Bob knows what I'm talking about because he used to do the exact same thing years ago. And I've shared this story before, but I felt it was important or appropriate this morning. But in the midst of all of this, one day, <clears throat> I had to go into a, one of the houses that was was just had just been finished framing. Uh, there, the only thing was it it, it, it was just a frame. And <clears throat> the way it worked is that the framing crew did not get paid until I signed off on it. And in order for me to sign off on it, I would have to go through the house and make what they call a punch list. Do you all know what a punch list is? I know Bob does. Basically, it's everything that they did wrong. And they would, the framing crew would have to go in and fix everything, and then they could get paid. Well, I had a framing crew that really wanted to get paid, and I didn't blame them. But I had to do this punch list. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you know something's wrong, but you can't figure out what it is? Well, I was standing in this house, and it's a big two-story house, huge house. I'm standing in this house. <clears throat> my, my phone is blown up. My radio is blown up. Uh, you know, my, my mind is racing 100 miles an hour, and I'm standing there with a, a pad and a pencil, and I'm trying to do a punch list, and I can see nothing wrong. And, and I know in my heart that, that, that there is, I mean, there's never a house been built that there's nothing, you, you know what I'm saying? So the other superintendent, an older man, very, very wise man, uh, I called him on the radio and I said, hey, Frank, can you come over to, to blah, 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 blah. And, and he, so he, he came over and, and I told him what was going on. I said, Frank, I know I got to do this punch list. I said, but I, I, can't, I just can't do it. And Frank said, not a problem. He said, now, if you will do this, he said, you can, you can do the punch list. I said, okay, what do, what do I got to do? He said, first thing is turn off your cell phone. Second thing, turn off your radio. And then the third thing is, I want you to stand right here. And he took me into the middle of this huge great room. And he says, I want you to stand right here with your eyes closed until your mind is empty. And I did what he told me to do. I turned off my phone, turned off the radio. I stood there. I don't know how long I stood there, but all of a sudden, my mind was clear. And I was able to focus. I stood there. I don't know. It, it could have been 10 minutes. It could have been an hour. I, I, honestly, I don't know. But as soon as I opened my eyes, I started seeing things. And I just started writing them down. I believe that that is one of the problems that we face. We get so sucked into the noise of the world. that we can't focus. We get so caught into the, well, I got to do this and I got to do that and I, I got to be here and I got to go here and I got to do this. And, and we get so consumed with all of this stuff that we fail to focus. Now, Frank, the other superintendent, in the year and a half that I worked with him, he taught me a lot. He, he really did. He, he forgot more about construction than, than I, I ever knew. But the one thing that I will never forget that he taught me is that focusing is a choice. See, we make the choice to focus. The title of my message this morning is Focusing on One Thing. Focusing on One Thing. Warren Wiersbe, in fact, I put it over here on the wall. <clears throat> Warren Wiersbe wrote, The eyes 
see what the heart loves. What, a, what an incredibly challenging thought for us this morning. There is a, a biblical pattern, if you would, to learning how to focus. And I want to share that with you this morning. The first step in our focus should be to prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. First Chronicles <clears throat> chapter 28. Let's start reading in verse 1. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, of the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captain over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king, and all the sons, and all the officials, uh, and with the mighty men, and the, with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my son, and my people, for I, excuse me, for me, uh, I had in my heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of God. And he made uh, and and made ready uh, for uh, for the building, but God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou uh, hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. I appreciate David's passion for the things of God, but let's go back to verse two. And what did David say there? He said, As for me, I had in my heart to build and house for the rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. See, David understood that it started in the heart. David's focus was on God, but it started in his heart. And, and <clears throat> as uh, he made his focus his heart. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. This church is a little over 10 years old, and one of the principles that I have tried to teach over and over and over in, in, at Grace Baptist Church is, the, is this very simple principle, and that is God is after one thing in your life. What is it? Your heart. And the reality is, if we will give him our hearts, then he will have all of us. God has a desire to have your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, A good man out of good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the, uh, out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. I want you to look at the protractor uh, the peropter, excuse me, the peropter of your heart. And what do you see? What is, what is the what is the thing that you see? Is it the what what are you focused on? Are you are you focused on the the, the noise of the world, the pressures of this life, if you would, having to be here and do this and do that, or or are you you focused on the job? Is that your priority? Is is your family your priority, or is it? looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. 
See, we are all focused on something. What is your what are you focused on this morning? Those of us that went to the men's conference over in Sacramento, the two minute warning, I don't know if you remember this quote, but the other the other quote here on the wall is from Harold Vaughn. And he said, Sight is a function of the eye, but vision is a function of the heart. What are you focused on this morning? The second thing that we need to do is prepare our minds. Prepare our hearts, but we also need to prepare our minds. Look at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. And David now was talking to his son, Solomon, and he says, "And, uh, and, uh, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth the heart and understandeth all the uh, imaginations of, of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou will forsake him, he will be cast, uh, he will cast <clears throat> uh, thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house of sanctuary and be strong and do it. Truthfully, preparing the heart and preparing the mind go hand in hand. But I believe that the mind will not be affected unless the heart is involved. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Have you ever... Uh, heard a sermon or or read your Bible and and that God speaks to your to to your mind and you think wow <clears throat> I need this in my life and we 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 do our thing here at church and we <clears throat> we close the service and you get in your car and you drive away and before you get out here on Main Street you can't even remember what God said to you see that is when God affects the mind but not the heart. See, we can make choices that never change our lives. It has been said that the longest distance in the world is 18 inches. That's the distance between the mind and the heart. See, we can make choices, but if the heart is not intermingled with those choices, then they're just just choices. They're not life-changing. Prepare the mind. What did David tell Solomon in verse 9? He said, And thou, my son, but thou, Solomon, my son, know know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. See, it's not one, it's both. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 and following says, And when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together, and 
one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love the, thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Even Jesus reminds us that he takes both. Actually, he reminds us he takes all three of his soul also. Focusing on one thing. We need to prepare our hearts and we need to prepare our minds. But thirdly, we need a plan. We need to prepare a plan. Let's look at verse 11 of chapter 28 of First Chronicles. Then David gave Solomon, his son, the pattern or the plan of the porch and of the house thereof and the, and the, treasure, uh, the treasures thereof and the upper chambers thereof and the inner uh, parlors uh, thereof and the, of the place of the mercy seat. In other words, David gave Solomon the plans to the building. He said, David, or excuse me, he said, Solomon, this is how it needs to be done. And he gave him a detailed set of plans of how to do it. <clears throat> but way too often, we want to just kind of flounder our way through life. We want to muddle our way through life without a plan. What would Solomon have done if if David had just said, okay, son, prepare your heart and your mind, and okay, now go and do it. After I'm dead, go and do it. Solomon would have floundered. What would he have done? When I was working for that development company, I always found it interesting that <clears throat> every time I was given a new house to build, I was given two things. What, what do you think the first one was? Blueprints. The second one was a very, very thick folder of information. Now, the blueprints are kind of basic, if you understand what I mean. It is The, the blueprints deal with the structure, how, how it's to be built. And it was my responsibility to to go by those blueprints and build that house structurally sound so that it was safe and so that the, when the building officials came through, <clears throat> they would inspect it and it was, it was done to code. The second thing that they gave me was this, was this folder of, full of information and it had every detail imaginable in it. Paint colors, carpet colors, this thing and that thing and anything that they want. I, I, every, every outlet was to be placed in a certain place, every switch, every detail imaginable that you, can, that you could write down on paper was in that folder. And it was my job to get it done. Nothing was left to chance.
biblical focus doesn't just happen. You need a plan. We must have the clarity of sight. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need the clarity, but it doesn't stop there. We need a plan to be able to carry it out. See, the, do- the eye doctor looked at me and he said, hey, I'm here to tell you, son. He said, your, your headaches are because your your eyes. And and he, you know, and then he said, okay, uh, <clears throat> come back in a year, I'll see you later. Is that what he said to me? No. He, he, he wrote out a prescription. He gave me a plan how to fix the problem. I just, had a, as a 19-year-old kid, I just had to figure out how to pay for it. <laughs> but he gave me a plan to fix the problem. And the folder that I would have and the blueprints that I have were the plans how to, how, to, how, to, how to build the buildings. See, God gives us these things to us. Let me ask you a question. When is, how much time have you spent in the Word of God recently? If you're not spending time in the Word, then you're going to be out of focus. How much time have you spent in prayer? How much time have you spent alone with God? How much time have you spent turning off your cell phone and your radio and standing in the middle of the room, clearing your mind of all the junk of this world? Probably the most frustrating thing about my knee as of today is the fact I can't drive. I mean, I could get in a car and I could go somewhere, but I can't move my leg to stop. I can't lift my leg and put it on the brake. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, somebody told me, well, eventually you're going to stop, you know. But I can't drive. And because I can't drive, I cannot do the one thing that I, I love to do probably more than anything, and that is go out in the desert and get along with God. I haven't been able to do that in, what, six weeks. And it's driving me crazy. Anybody want to go with me? No, I wouldn't be alone. <laughs> yeah, you could drop me off. As long as you come and get me, we'd be okay. (laughs) You know, I I pray and I read my Bible, but there's just something about getting alone with God. Question. What, what What does your plan look like? Or, here's another question, do you even have a plan? Many of you know that after I went to Bible college for a few years, about three or four years, 
after Bible college, I was a construction missionary. We, I used to travel around the world and build churches and stuff for missionaries. And <clears throat> I remember getting a call from the mission agency that I worked for <clears throat> and said, hey, we're, we, we want to send you to Guyana, South America. And I said, okay. I said, what's going on? He said, well, there's a missionary down in Guyana not too far from where Jim Jones' uh, compound was. Uh, but there's a missionary down there that needs a church building built. And because of the reputation of Guyana, we want to send you down and make sure you don't die. Because <laughs> if you come home alive, then we can, you know, we'll, we, you know. Anyway, it, it, was, it wasn't quite like that. But anyway. But they, the, the, the reputation was a hindrance to the project. So it was my job to go down and talk to the missionary, but really more, more than that, it was a PR thing to say, hey, it's safe to, to go down there. But anyway, so I got, down, I got down to Guyana, and one of the first things I sat down with the missionary, one of the first things I asked him was, where are your blueprints? Have you ever have you ever asked somebody something and they get a really stupid look on their face? And he and he looks at me and he's like, "What? <laughs> what am I here for?" Come to find out, he had no he had no clue what he wanted. He had no idea how to how to do anything. He just knew I need a building. Well, that's good. So needless to say, I had my work cut out for me. But many of us walk through our Christian lives the very same way. Our, heart, our, our hearts and our minds are stirred. And we say, you know what? I want to focus on God. I want, I want this to be real in my life. But we don't have a plan. And what happens? It just fizzles away. We need a plan. How much time do you spend in, your, in his word? How much time do you spend praying? You got to start somewhere. You got to have a plan. And then fourthly, and this is, this is really critical, and please get a hold of this. God has prepared resources. He has prepared resources. <clears throat> Look at <clears throat> verse 2 of chapter 29. And David is again speaking to Solomon. He says, And now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things <clears throat> to be made of gold and the silver of the things of silver and the brass of the things of brass, and the iron of things of iron, and the wood of things of wood, and onyx, uh, onyx stones, and stones to be set, and uh, uh, glittering stones and uh, of diverse colors, and all the manner of precious stone, and marble stone and, and, in abundance, and it goes on and on and on. And David, David is telling Solomon, hey, not only do you need to prepare your heart and your mind, to do this project. Here are the plans. 
This is all you need to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. But not only that, but I have given you the resources to accomplish it. See, God does not come to us and say, hey, I want you to focus on Jesus Christ in the year 2020 and then say, okay, now figure it out. He doesn't do that. Just as the company that I work for would not say, hey, Rick, we want you to, on this particular lot, we want you to build a house. Okay? No, what would they do? They would give me the plans, and then not only that, they would give me the resources to be able to do what I needed to get done. And way too often we forget to look for the resources that God has already given us. God has given us many resources. We've already talked about two of them. Well, kind of three of them. The Word of God, prayer, and for me, just getting alone with God. Those are two. But I want to give you a couple extra... Uh, a couple others, and, and again, there's, there's many, many more, but I, I just wanted to give you a couple other resources that oftentimes we neglect in our lives. And this one is one that oftentimes we f- totally fail, and that is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18 says, And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth within you, and he shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. The Holy Spirit has given us to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us. It is an important resource that God has given us that oftentimes we fail to tap. Another resource that God's given us is each other. Other believers 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, seeing ye have uh, purified your souls in obeying <clears throat> the truth through the spirit of unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. We need each other. There are times, and, and <clears throat> my wife and I were talking last night, and the last month for for my wife and I, uh, or six weeks or so, has, has been, a, as you can imagine, it's just been a roller coaster of, of highs and lows and so on and so forth. And, and I, I don't know if you're married, hopefully you'll understand what I'm going to say, but it, typically in our relationship, when one of us is, 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 is high, the other one's low and, 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 and vice versa. And, and we, we, we use each other when, when we're the low one, we, we use each other to kind of lift us up. And y- y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Those of you that are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And we were talking about this last night because I, I won't say which one of us because it's not important, but, but one of us just kind of just kind of had a meltdown and just kind of unloaded on the other one. And that's what we're supposed to do, is it not? As, as, a, as a married couple. But see, the, the reality is this. God has given us fellow believers to do the same thing. And way too often I get people who will say, but pastor, you, I, I don't want to burden anybody with my problems. Well, that's, that's not scriptural. I'm here to tell you that's not, that's not the way it's done. See, God has given us resources that way we too often fail to use. Another one is the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and, and it kind of goes along with the, the, with the other point, but it, it's, it's different. It says, let us consider one another <clears throat> to provoke and to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not only do we need each other, but we need, we need church. Amen. You know, there, there, there is something, and, 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 and I didn't think about this or I would have found a, a better verse for it or, or another verse for it, <clears throat> but Christ died for the church. He, did, he didn't die <clears throat> for, the, for the, 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 the casino. He didn't. He died for the church. And anything Christ died for, I need. And there are days... As a pastor, I can walk through those doors discouraged and God can use people in this church to encourage me. And if you're honest, you'll say, God's done that in my life too. I remember <clears throat> working construction the majority of my adult life and living in South Carolina in the summertime, you can imagine what I smelled like at the end of the day. But many of those, many, many of those days, uh, uh, during, uh, <clears throat> let, let me let me rephrase that. Many midweek services at our church on Wednesday night, I would come straight from work. And the only person that would sit next to me was my wife. <laughs> but you know what? I can't tell you how many times, countless times, as I was driving to church to meet my family and to, to, to go to church, I cannot tell you how many times I didn't feel like going. I was tired. I was hot. Needless to say, I was very sweaty. But every single time I went, God spoke to my heart. We need church. Focusing on one thing. It starts with the heart. 
then it's the mind. Incorporating the mind and the heart together to work in unison. Preparing a, a plan, not just muddling your way through life, but you know, get, just getting a plan and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then understand that God has given us the resources to accomplish the things that he wants us to do. See, God has said that he wants us to live for him, has he not? He would never say those things and then say, and then just throw us to the wolves and say, okay, make it happen. It would never happen that way. We have resources. And, and the, the few that I gave you this morning is, is, is just scratching the surface. I want to re-quote Warren Wiersbe's quote, the eyes see what the heart loves. As you look through the phoropter of life, if you would, what are you focusing on? And way too often, way too often, we allow the noise of the world to suck us in and to, to distract us and to pull us away from the very thing that we need to be focusing on. And I think oftentimes <clears throat> it is a good thing to stop and recalibrate our vision and see what we're focused on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you.